testimony. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about how powerful. You know, people can't criticize, they can't disagree with someone's actual story. And uh, so, Lord, that was amazing. That was powerful. Sisters Lelani and Leah, that was amazing singing. Well done. Accompanied by Phil. Let's again show our appreciation for our beautiful members of our church. And uh, that testimony just highlights how it doesn't matter what situation, what you've encountered, uh, God can help you to break through, can help to transform your life. I particularly want my big takeaway there that I think you really pressed on uh, Sulu powerfully was that we're born again, but it's the renewing of our mind that brings the transformation. So well done. That came through. And I think all of our hearts, we can't imagine what you've gone through. But uh, our hearts were crying with you as we're sharing that you did really, really well. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue uh, this theme of atmosphere. And uh, we started last Sunday. We had our guest speaker. That was a very impactful, emotional weekend if you weren't here. A lot of tears, good, good tears. And so, uh, obviously, we're leading up to our conference with the theme of atmosphere. Um, and so we're going to, um, so if we can pop that slide up, team, uh, just have that ready to go. Just atmosphere is the, the key one. I think I dropped a note there in the AV box, but it's got the one slide there. So I want to, um, I want us just to pray this morning before we jump into the word. Uh, I saw just a picture of us kind of like just really focusing in on the word this morning. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for your house. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit here, Jesus. Lord, we welcome the Holy Spirit into this place. We thank you, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you're already here, but we ask, Lord, that you would anoint this word. You enable us, Father, to focus in on your word this morning. And we pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord, Lord, to, to feel and sense you as the word is coming through. Lord, that there'd be an anointing on the word. Lord, that you would be partnering with the word this morning. Your very spirit would be on it. And you'd help us to receive everything that we have in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If I can get Brother Leroy maybe up with the AV team just to help them to sort that out. Um, there's a little note there that I dropped to the service production team. It's just an atmosphere slide that we made up. When you guys are ready, I'll leave it to you. Cool. So this morning, I want to bring a word, um, obviously around atmosphere, but I want to bring a word particularly in terms of what we can do to bring a, a victorious atmosphere. Everyone say victory. victory. Again, everyone say that again. Victory. victory. And uh, this is a message that I've actually preached before, and it's not my message. Uh, I've preached this once before. Uh, a good many, many years ago when we weren't here in uh, the Cooper's Plains, Salisbury area. And this is actually a message. I've got to honor the person whose message it is. It is Dr. Tim Hammond's message from Christian International. I really felt strategically, but the Lord said, I want you to preach this message in the middle of this season right now because I want to do something in the, in the hearts of people to help them to come into everything that I'm releasing in this hour, in this moment. And so it's about the sound of victory. Everyone said the sound of victory. That builds uh, atmosphere. And so a lot of this message is around the word or the theme, jubilee. And uh, if you look at the word jubilee in the Bible, jubilee is an old-fashioned word, and it means celebration. It means a party, 
a large party, it means a dance celebration. Is someone here excited so far about this message? And we're going to look at uh, particular parts of the Word today. I want you to, as best as you can, I really feel this on my heart, stay focused this morning, don't get distracted. There is really good stuff, okay, in this message. And I can say that without feeling like I'm bragging because it's not my message, amen? Okay? There's really good stuff in here. I want you to hone in, put your seatbelt on, focus, and I don't want you to miss out what God wants to release in this word this morning. So out of scripture in Leviticus 25, uh, chapter 1, it first appears the word jubilee. And it actually has to do with the Sabbath. One day a week, we set time aside to rejuvenate and worship once a week. However, in the Hebrew calendar, the Sabbath is also expressed in a Sabbath year. So every seven years, they take a rest. Everyone say every seven. They take a rest. And uh, <clears throat> let me see here. Hopefully, my laptop will do as it's told. Every seventh year, they take a rest. So, every uh, seventh Sabbath year, there is an additional Sabbath year. So, let me explain this. So, once they live six years, then they take a Sabbath year, a seventh year. But every 49 years, Okay, which is seven times seven. Who knows seven times seven is 49? So on the 49th year, they have a Sabbath year. And I'm going to explain the benefits of a Sabbath year. But on the 50th year, they have what they call a Jubilee, which is they actually celebrate a Sabbath again. So yes. two years in a row, they celebrate a Sabbath, and that's called the Jubilee. Everyone say every 50th year. So every 50th year in the uh, Israel culture is a second Sabbath year in a row. The 50th year was very special. Besides resting the land, so they didn't uh, toil the land, they didn't harvest it, they purposely rested the land. So first of all, a great thing about Jubilee is rest. Everyone say rest. rest. But besides resting the land, other things happened on the 50th year. Now I want you to hone in on this, people. Let's listen to this. All the property that was assigned to the family, whatever has happened, if it was lost, it was, if it was squandered, all the property had to be returned to the original family in the 15th Amen. All the slaves had to be Amen. released. Yep. Slavery was, was more about economics. So they had to, uh, when, when, you, when they talked about slavery, it had to do with debt back in that time. And if you got into debt and you couldn't pay it or you were uh, having difficulty or if you were accused of a crime and you needed to pay a restitution, you would work that off over a number of years. But in the 50th year... The Jubilee year, even if it was your fault, you did something wrong, all the slaves, all the people who had any type of debt, they were released of their debt, they were completely set free. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm praying it's my Jubilee year. It's my Jubilee The third thing is that all the debts had to be cancelled. Even if you were foolish, you had a tragedy, whatever the reason for the debt, no matter why, the debt was cancelled in the 50th year. So you can understand in all of these reasons, the Jubilee year uh, was exciting because all of inheritance was returned. Oppression, if you had any sense of oppression, people were released from oppression. All of your debts were cancelled. And that's why Jubilee came to mean a party. It came to mean to celebrate. How many of you would be happy during your Jubilee? Absolutely. Particularly because you didn't have to work. It didn't count on anything that you did to experience your Jubilee celebration. And so the launch of the 50th year, when it was going around in the nation, now catch this, we're going to start to get into the specifics of how 
This is related to atmosphere of victory. So to launch the 50th year, the Jubilee year, when all these amazing benefits happened, they launched it by blowing the trumpet, blowing the trumpet, announcing this is the year of Jubilee. And uh, the scripture talks about first it was a shofar. Now the shofar is a Jewish instrument, most of often made from a ram's horn. Um, and though it can be made from the horn of a sheep or a goat, just so you understand technically, and it makes a trumpet-like sound naturally. When you blow through it, it makes a trumpet-like sound. And then they also use the silver trumpet as well. And so this, the, the year of Jubilee is associated with the sound of a trumpet. Everyone say trumpet. Trumpet. And in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 9, it says, Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet through all, throughout all your land, announcing that the new Jubilee year is about to begin. And so normally in Hebrew, talking about a trumpet or a shofar, or talking about any of those types of wind instruments that would create that kind of blasting, announcing sound, normally... The word used to describe that in the Hebrew uh, is a word that refers to ram's horn. But in Leviticus 25.9, where it says the trumpet of Jubilee, that's not the word being used. It's a totally different word when it talks about the sound that's announcing a season of release, a season of a breaking off of oppression. How good was Dan's scripture and worship today talking about, you know, that no longer will you be oppressed, but I'm bringing you into the land of milk and honey. That was cool. No longer being indebted to your taskmasters. I thought it was such a prophetic scripture. Let's give Dan and the music team a round of applause. Great worship this morning. And so this particular word in Leviticus that talks about the actual announcement, the actual sound, uh, the declaration of a season of Jubilee is a particular word pronounced teruah, T-E-R-U-A-H, teruah. And teruah means this. Everyone say teruah. Let's say it again, teruah. Teruah means a shout or blast of war. A sound of an alarm, a sound of joy, a battle cry, blowing, blowing trumpets, joy, joyful sound, resounding, shout, a shout of an alarm, a shout of joy, shouted, shouting, shouts of joy, signal, a trumpet blast, war cries, and a war cry. I literally gave you all the different interpretations where this word is in scripture. And so the sound of war, the war of joy, isn't that kind of a bit... Bizarre. The sound of the war of joy. Think about, we're having a war of joy. What? But the sound of the war of joy, this, you know, this is intriguing. And in English, we don't have a word with the same meaning. Teruah, there is no word in the English language that actually combines war with joy. But the word teruah is the sound of war with joy. Because we don't usually associate war and joy in the same word. But this word, teruah, can mean war or joy interchangeably. And it's used in scripture 40 to 50 times. Sometimes it's used about a battle cry, the sounding of the trumpet, a resounding shout. Other times it's uh, used uh, in Hebrew in terms of rejoicing, joy, a joyful sound. Either way, a war sound or a sound of joy interchangeably, intertwined, collectively together. And you can't tell by just looking at the word, but you have to understand it through the context. 
that it could be all the either war or joy. So looking for more uses of the word. So we're going to go further into research. Everyone say research. Research. So looking for more uses of the word teruah. It's significant when we look at other uses of the word teruah because it gives us more revelation. Because the word teruah is the way that they announced jubilee. And so we can understand how can we, this is now, what's in it for you, this message. So we're not just talking about Leviticus. What's in it for you in 2019 in the month of August, you may be thinking, what's this got to do with me? You may be asking, and that's a good question, so let's answer that. We can understand how we can also enjoy Jubilee in our New Testament life right now when we step into the understanding of how we, through a certain sound in our spirit, we can start to create an atmosphere of victory where we can see the certain benefits they experienced in a season of Jubilee also in our own lives. Who believes that? Amen. So we may not celebrate it in the same cycle of every 50 years like they did in the Old Testament, but who knows we want to celebrate the results of it, don't we? Come on, who knows we want to celebrate the results of it? So, next time we see the word teruah in the Bible, we'll understand these things. And so we're going to dig deeper. In number, in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, there's a story of Balaam the prophet. And uh, <clears throat> this is a prophet who never really prophesies anything at all uh, too, too well, right? He's a prophet who... Uh, does some uh, things that aren't great, even some bad things. And Balaam was hired, the, the Bible talks about, by an enemy of God's nation, by the, an enemy of Israel, and he was hired to do a very specific thing. He was hired to curse Israel. But as he attempted to do it, as he went out to curse Israel, he ended up every time actually blessing Israel yeah, instead of cursing. So everyone say unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. He was an unsuccessful bad prophet. Okay? <laughs> and so his employer, the person who assigned him to attack Israel by prophesying, prophesying you know, criticism or prophesying doom and gloom, right, was getting unhappy because this guy was not doing a good job. Imagine if we give you a natural. Imagine, you know, if someone was paying an assassin to kill someone, but every time the assassin went to kill someone, instead of killing them, he actually made their life better and somehow it all went crazy and they were more blessed than ever before. Do you think the person who wanted to hire the assassin would be getting frustrated, right? This is the same true of the employer of Balaam. And so Balaam, trying to recover his assignment, tried again. And he went out to curse Israel, but he blessed them again instead. So the employer is now probably seeking a refund, don't you think? And the story in the Bible says, and the third time it happens again, and now Balaam is trying to explain to his former employer what or why this is happening. And so in, in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 21, it says this. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. So when Balaam went to curse Israel, he couldn't, everyone say couldn't, because one of the reasons was the shout of a king was among them. A shout of a king was in the, 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 the God's people camp. 
there was a shout of the king among them, and a pushback on the curse that was trying to be spoken over them, and it was protecting them to stay in a place of blessing. Now keep in mind, there was, there was no king in Israel at that time. There was no actual assigned king. And this is a long time before Israel was to have a king, so it's obviously the Lord's uh, <clears throat> right. And this is the obvious interpretation. The shout they're hearing is the shout of God. Everyone say the shout of God. Shout of God. The shout of God. And so, let's hone in. So guess what the word there is for shout in that particular part of Numbers? When it talks about the, the reason why Balaam was not able to curse was because there was a shout of a king within the people. That word shout, there's a very particular word for that word shout. And that word is teruah. The same word, the shout of joy and war. So the reason why the bad prophet could not curse the people of God is because there was a teruah. There was a shout of a king within the people, among the people. And this shout, in some way, rebuffs the attempt to bring a curse over the people of God. So now, I have two reasons, or you have two reasons. We have two reasons to enjoy this this word. One, because it has to do with introducing Jubilee, to announcing Jubilee, to announcing a season of blessings to announce a season of debt being cancelled, to announce a season of oppression being broken, but also, secondly, we get to celebrate this word because it rebuffs curses. Who's liking this word more and more? Yeah. Teruah. Bring it. And so now let's do the word study. The root word of teruah in the Hebrew is the last three letters, ruah, which is R-U-A. Can I encourage you to write that down for me? Even if you've got your smartphones, I want to encourage you to write this down for me because I believe this revelation is not just for today. This revelation is for this season as we are moving with the Lord. R-U-A. Everyone say Ruah. Ruah. It means this, to raise a shout, to give a blast. To raise a shout, to give a blast. Now, Hebrew is a pictorial language. When you do a lot of study in Hebrew... It paints lots of pictures. That's how uh, people understand. And the root meaning of words often paints a picture. So the root meaning of ruah, R-U-A, is a noise so loud it splits your ears. That's what the root meaning of the word ruah is. It is a noise that is so loud that it splits your ears. That, That means its base meaning is that it's a word that... Breaks restrictions. It has to be loud enough to cause some discomfort. So when we talk about a key to spiritual keys for breakthrough, is to get out of your comfort zone when you shout unto the Lord. Many times here at Forever House, uh, we've felt led by the Lord for us to shout as a corporate body, to shout as a family, to shout as a community, to release the sound of victory, to break off the resistance. That's not necessarily anything new to us here as a church family at Forever House. But I believe that this word will give more, I I hear the word penetration, more specific sharpness of understanding in this season of how important this is to build an atmosphere of victory in our lives. Is anyone still with me? Yes. All right. So there are two examples in the Bible. We know number one in Jericho. The people of God marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days. And then on the seventh day, uh, they marched around it seven times. And they released a shout. 
uh, a shout and the walls came down. They, they did the ruah, the sound of war, and the walls came down and the enemy was defeated. But also there's an example where David brought back uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And the first time he tried to bring uh, the cart back that was carrying the presence of God, his friend got killed. Do you remember that part of the Bible? Uh, he got killed in the process because he didn't follow the protocol and kind of did his own thing and he got killed. Uh, and then, so they finally got it back doing the proper way. And then when they got it back, David danced around uh, the Ark of the Covenant. He took his jacket off he, and, uh, you know, his wife got a bit upset with him because they, she thought he was a bit, you know, out of control. But the Bible says that he rejoiced. He rejoiced. He rejoiced. And the word for rejoice that's used there, guess what word it is? Ruah. Ruah. That's right. So when... The walls in Jericho came down and they released a shout. The Hebrew word there to release that shout was ruah, war with joy. And when David finally got the presence of the Lord back in the right place and he started celebrating, he started dancing before the Lord, when they described that sense of rejoicing, that joy in his life, the same word ruah was to describe it. Is everyone here slightly more intrigued? Amen. So looking for this word in a way for how can I use it? How can I use it? Do you have Jericho walls that have to come tumbling down around your community? Probably not right now. Uh, do you need to manage the Ark of the Covenant? No, because we have, through the blood of Jesus, we have the freedom to enter the presence of the Lord whenever we want to now. And we don't have to worry about protocol. Amen. But what does this mean for me right now? How can I use it? And so with that question, let's go on a journey of answering that. How can I use Ruah? in my world right now. And when we go on that journey, we find an interesting passage in Isaiah, chapter 42, verse 13, where it uses the same concept. Verse 13 says, The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out. Here is the Ruah. Yes, shout aloud to roar, some translations say. Everyone say roar. roar. It's a key word there. Again, everyone say roar. roar. Okay, so to shout aloud to roar, some translations say. So the Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud, which also means roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. So when we look for the word ruah, we find this scripture here that links ruah, the war cry of joy, also to the word to roar. And in prophetic books in Hebrew, when things rhyme, it's not rhyming words or sounds. In Hebrew, they don't rhyme sounds, they rhyme ideas. Did you know that? I think maybe 10% of you caught that, so I'm going to repeat that. All right? In the prophetic books in Hebrew, you know when we rhyme, smile with dime, right? Or smile and slime, right? That's rhyming in sounds. When they do rhyming, it's not rhyming in sounds, it's rhyming in ideas or themes. Does that make sense? And so when you look for similar themes, you know that there's a flow and there's rhyming. And so he shall cry out, yes, roar. That word roar, they are similar, they are connected somehow. The ruah, the war and the joy cry, and also the word roar. Ruah, roar, to roar. There's a, a rhyming of ideas here. And so now we're looking for more connections. This Hebrew word for war, that roar, as in like a lion's roar, that they use, uh, there are different ones, but this particular one that they use is a word in Hebrew being used here, and it's the word S-H-A-G, kind of like shag, 
interestingly, which is hilarious, but that's what it is, shag. And it means this, to roar like a lion. To roar like a lion. It's interesting because the word roar kind of sounds like the roar of a lion, doesn't it? Roar! So it's intriguing. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So let's have a look at some scriptures here. Jeremiah 25, 30. So we can tie in ruah, the sound of joy and war, or the sound of war and joy, with this uh, theme of roaring. Jeremiah 25, 30 says this. Therefore prophesy against them all these words and say to them, the Lord, hone in now, will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He will roar mightily against his fold. He will give a shout as those who tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. They're talking in Jeremiah about God himself. That God himself, we know like the tribe of Judah, the lion, right? The lion is a great image of the Lord Jesus Christ, the roar of the lion. It talks a lot here in describing actually God himself. Hosea 11.10 says, They shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, then his sons shall come trembling from the west. Joel 3.16 says, The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Amos 3, verses 7 to 8 says this, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? The connection there between the roar of the lion and the voice of God is so clear and strong. Who's picking that up? So other scriptures connect the roar of a lion to the voice of God. And here it is connecting the roar of the lion to God's voice of prophecy. And so the roar of the lion, the ruah sound, is connected directly to God as his voice. Even in prophecy. So... Now let's get more curious. Why does God want to sound? Well, first of all, why does God want to roar? Why is a particular sound of God expressing himself in a roar like a lion? And why does God want to make a sound? Why does God want to roar with a sense of war and joy? Why is this important to God? Why is this a component of God? Why is this part of God's DNA? And who knows that you sitting in this very seat, you are a king of the king of kings. Amen. So when we say Jesus is a king of kings, the kings that the Bible talks about is you and I. Yes. I Remember know. it said that the curse can come upon the land from the bad prophet because there was a shout of a king in the land. That's how we know there is some relevance here to you and I right now in 2019. You are a king under the lordship of the king of Amen. kings. And this is talking about that within the king of kings, there is a roar, there is a ruah, there's a part of the God that we worship, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. There is a component of his DNA, part of his character, his makeup, who he is. The little substance of who God is, is a war cry of joy. Is a ruah in our God. And we want to understand more why, why the God, the Father, of our hearts, who loves us unconditionally, who made the ultimate sacrifice, who bought us at the ultimate price 
of shedding the life of his son on the cross, Jesus Christ. Why is it so important for him to express himself with this kind of a shout like a lion? And how does it relate to you and I right now? It must mean something. Amen. It must mean something important. Here we go. The only animal God sounds like in Scripture, when you look at it, there's other animals like the eagle uh, that have attributes flying, you know, uh, with the wind under its eagles and soaring high. But particularly in terms of the sound of God, the predominant animal in the Bible that is used to describe the sound of God is the lion. And let's study then, what is it about a lion's roar? What is it about the roar of a lion that we can tap into, we can study, we can research to reveal specific aspects about our God for this season? And so, when you look at science, there was a scientist who did research over 20 years about lions. Went to Africa, snuck up on lions, and recorded them when they roared. Played back roars to see how they reacted and did the study. Watched and observed what the lion is saying when the roar was happening in its family. Good news is all the scientists who did that research survived. Isn't that nice? That's nice, isn't it? Tonight. So here is what they found out. Is everyone focused? Is everyone ready? Here's what they, they found out. There are three distinct reasons why a lion roars. And therefore, can we argue, perhaps there are three distinct reasons why God roars prophetically. So let's have a look at the lions. Number one, everyone say number one. Number one. Number one, the reason why a lion roars is because it's got to do with their family structure. Everyone look at me. Everyone makes my contact. Their family structure. But it's unique among all the cats. Most cats, cheetahs, leopards, other cats, live solitary lives most of the time. They might come together to mate, but pretty much they like to be isolated. Um, <clears throat> they mate in pairs, but they don't stay together. They live on their own in isolation, except lions. Lions are unique as they stay. Everyone say stay. 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 They stay in family units. The family unit is called the pride. And so the pride is compromised, catch this now, of usually a single male head, or sometimes it could be up to three, which is interesting because we know God is also the Trinity. And then a group of females, which are his bride. And the bride does most of the work. Does most of the hunting. Raises the young. So this is a great analogy, not for marriage. Okay? So husbands, no, we don't get our wives just to do all the work. That's not, I'm not justifying that through this message. That's not the, the propheticness of this word. Good amen. But it is a great analogy for the church. Amen. That we have the head and the body of Christ is activated and empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work of Jesus on the earth. So we, 
understand that Christ is the head and we are the bride and we do most of the work. We do the carrying for the young, the bringing in the new ones. Lions have this particular family structure. And when a lion leaves the family to go take care of some business, maybe some hunting, when they come back, they roar. And when they roar, the other lions at the family gatherings spot that particular lion, listen to that particular roar, and they roar back to that lion that's roaring at them. And also, when the evening comes, the male lion will roar, and the whole family will join in as if they are having a bit of a sing. It's all about family. And so a lion, when he roars, is actually saying this, this is my family. Amen. That's one of the reasons why a lion roars. This is my family. This is my family. Number two, the second reason why a, a lion roars is because it's got to do with the land. It's got to do with the territory that the lion has been given to rule over, to have victory over, to reign. Everyone say land. land. And so when a male lion periodically a day will stand out from the group a bit, you know, like the picture of Simba in The Lion King, stretches out his feet and roars, which is quite loud. Based on the research, that particular roar is quite loud. Get this, that particular roar can be heard up to eight kilometers away. Eight kilometers away. Think of somewhere eight kilometers from here, and if you were roaring here, you could hear it there all the way around. Remember we talked about a roar that splits ears. That type of roar. And everything that hears a lion's roar is knowing what the lion is saying in that particular territory, whether it's in Africa, wherever it is. What that roar is saying is, this is my land. Amen. This is my land. So if you can hear me, if you can hear my roar, you are on my space. That's what that particular roar of a lion is all about. And that's one of the reasons why the roar of our God, the roar of our God is so important. So the first one, this is my family. Second one, this is my land. Number three, is everyone still with me? Yes. Let's explain this one. With the research of lions, it's interesting because there are other male lions that don't have a family. And in the science, they're actually called nomadic lions. Another way of saying it is rogue lions. What's the baddie in the Lion King? So he kind of hangs around, but you know, he's kind of isolated in the cave with the hyenas, and he kind of, you know, he's, you know, deceiving. Probably a good analogy of a rogue lion, right? But actually, in biology, in Africa, there are rogue lions. They actually don't have a family, and they're isolated. And nomadic lions or rogue lions walk around because they don't have their own territory or their own family. And what they do is they sneak up, catch this now, rogue lions, when you study them, the research, rogue lions will sneak up on the family, an actual other pride, and roar 
trying to seduce someone away from the family. They sneak up on another prime and they roar to try to seduce through confusion, through other matters, to seduce one of the other lions away from the prime. Nomadic lions roar purposefully to try and deceive, confuse, and seduce family members away from the pride. And when the head of the family hears such a rogue lion roaring, he will immediately jump up and roar back in response against the nomadic lion. And if the nomadic lion doesn't flee, the head lion will come and attack him and kill him if necessary or drive him away. And so this third reason for why a lion roars is because that roar is saying every enemy must flee. Amen. Every enemy must flee. What's interesting in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So the three things, can I ask the music team to come? If I can have the whole music team swarming, please. So the three things the lion is saying when it roars. Number one, this is my family. Ruah! Yeah. Number two, this is my land. Ruah! Number three, every enemy must flee. Ruah! The sound of victory that builds an atmosphere of victory, of protection, of forward-footedness. Kind of like Ruah. The same concept of jubilee. Amen. The return of the land. The freedom from oppression and slavery. The return of inheritance. All the things that Ruah meant, the roar seems to mean as well. So when you hear the Lord of the sound, making that sound, when you think about your God that you worship, who roars like a lion in the book of Hebrew, the word teruah, the root meaning ruah, is to shout with a war and joy. The sound of victory. And so when you shout unto God, ruah, it has a spiritual meaning of war and joy. This is my family. This is my land. Every enemy must, not might, not kind of, not please, can you please, must Amen. flee. Every enemy, every enemy, not 60%, every enemy must flee. I want to encourage you to stand here this morning. This theme of August of atmosphere leading to our conference, Dominion. I believe this morning that God wants to 
plant this word, whether you've heard it the second time today or the first, I believe that regardless, it's got a new anointing upon it for this time. For right now where you are. I think this is talking to us individually. It's talking to us corporately. It's talking to us spiritually. It's talking to us practically. I hear the Lord say this, I am restoring the roar of me inside of you. Pastor Sarah got a prophetic word. Many prophetic words, but one particular that spoke specifically to her heart was a key ingredient of this house is her voice. Yes. That really spoke to her. And I want you to know that maybe you've been in a season where your voice has become dormant. Your spiritual tenacity has not been as sharp. Maybe you've been blunted by disappointment. You've been blunted by something that's kind of sideswiped you that you didn't expect. Whatever the situation, we don't have to come up with a typical list. We get it. It's life. It's sometimes hard. But what I want to remind you of today is that God is a God of victory. You think about that analogy of the lion when he says the enemy approaching and roaring on your territory. It may be intimidating for you, but it's not intimidating for your God. And so God's saying, I want you to release his ruach out of your spirit, out of your heart, out of your mouth. Yes, Lord. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are giving us key strategies to build an atmosphere of victory in our lives. We thank you, Father, Lord, that our mouth is one of the most powerful weapons that you've given us. Lord, that we can literally speak life or death through the power of our tongue. And I thank you, Lord, that when we partner our tongue with our spirit that's fueled by your word, it's fueled by your revelation. It's fueled by your DNA, by your characteristics, by the ingredients of who you are, that you are a roaring God. You're a powerful, victorious God. We thank you, Lord, that today as we declare these three things, this is my family, this is my land. The enemy must flee. But Lord, these are not just something that we're going to say, but Lord, there's an anointing, there's a power. There's a spiritual revelation upon Father God. And so we thank you, Lord, that today you are doing something in the atmosphere, Lord, something specific, something strategic, something right now for this time. Lord, this is not just a hype, this is not just emotion, but Lord, there's something here that you're doing. Like in Jericho, when the walls came down. Like when David danced, the presence of the Lord was released. The Ruach came forth, and God, you shifted the atmosphere. So Lord, I pray right now, the Holy Spirit, you stir the winds of power, the winds of tenacity, the winds of victory, the winds of overcoming, the wind of territory making, the wind of the Ruah, the wind of the roar of the lion, of the tribe of Jews, the wind of worship, the wind of the prophetic, the wind of revelation, the wind that moves mountains, the wind that brings healing, the wind that stirs up a faith atmosphere, a spiritual, that you are doing something in this place, you are stirring a new yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we receive in your holy name. 
when even a sporting atmosphere can release 22 ruahs, 22 roars out into the atmosphere. This wasn't just a nice message. This wasn't just a good one. This just doesn't sound good. This is the Spirit of God is on that word. God is doing something fresh. He is doing something new. He is saying to His church, Are you going to own it? Yeah. Are you going to take a hold of it? Are you going to roar for your family? Are you going to roar for your land? Are you going to let the enemy kill? Listen, you better back off, enemy, because if you can hear my voice, you're too close. You get off my land. The Lord has to let out another war again. What? Two, three, Solomon, do you want to quickly just share this scripture? Maybe come quick if you can. And ask everyone to step out of your seats if you feel the same your seats, that's okay as well. The Bible says that Paul and Silas prayed and sang hymns of praise. So we're going to be singing as well as praying words. So they've been singing songs. Allow the melody. melody. The song is also a prayer. That's just that's the, that's what we're trying to say. The singing and the praying, it's all prayers. So if you don't don't stop yourself from singing that melody. The Bible says singing sounds melody in your heart to what God. So it's a sing, sing it and praise. Sing it and praise. 